This is Sarah Bordeaux, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. Over the past several months, we've gathered members of the mountain resort industry for weekly virtual huddles to discuss the current pandemic situation and discuss challenges and potential solutions. On this episode, we gathered operators and suppliers to discuss a major pinch point in resort operations, the rental shop. The Ski and Snowboard Rental Department has a number of customer touch points, most of which pose a challenge to social distancing and or disinfecting. Most coronavirus mitigations threaten to reduce capacity, and that's a major problem. We'll start the discussion here with SAM editor, Rick Call. I'm Rick Call, the editor of SAM. Today we're gonna talk about rental operations in the time of the coronavirus. Um, and I'm Olivia Rowan, and um, just uh, back on the huddle is, is a platform we started to share what we're learning um, in these um, strange and surreal times, and to commu- uh, keep the community strong just through transparency and connection. And so, okay, Rick- thanks, thanks, Olivia. Um, well, we all hope that resort operations will be close to normal by November. We have to plan for the worst. The rental department has a number of touch points with customers, most of which pose a challenge for social distancing and or disinfecting. Most also threaten to reduce capacity, and that's a major problem. What can we do to maximize capacity given all the constraints? To address this, our panel today includes Chris Blombach, General Manager of Pat's Peak, New Hampshire, Rick Schmitz, owner of Nordic Mountain, Little Switzerland, and The Rock Snow Park, Wisconsin. Matt Joyce, Director of Retail, Rental, and Commercial Operations at Squaw Valley Alpine Meadows. Chuck Driggers, Rental Shop Manager at Bryan Head, Utah. John Rucker, President of Head Winter Sports. Ryan Etrim, Sales Director, Consumer Products for Wintersteiger and Eric Lipton, Chief Operating Officer for Snow Operating. To get started, I'd like to begin with the operators on the panel. Um, Rick, could you tell us about the the scope and importance of your rental operations, the changes you're contemplating for the coming season, and the things that have been keeping you awake at night? Sure. Um, Yeah, thanks for for having me on. you know, I, I posed this question a couple of weeks ago at one of the other huddles, um, mostly because I had more questions than answers. And, um, and I think the same is still true today, although I've learned a lot um, in the process. So I think like, like most everyone, you know, on this call, you know, when we, you know, start to look to the future in the winter, um, beyond just summer operations is, you know, what's the worst case scenario for what can happen for us this coming winter? Um, you know, and we hear all the talk of a second wave and, and, and things like, quote unquote, the darkest winter ever and, and what it could be. Um, and so for us, we're, we're looking at, you know, what are our bottlenecks as we look at our whole resort? And, um, you know, for us right away, rental was one of the biggest ones. Um, and, you know, I think skiing in general, um, the public and everyone else um, views is pretty safe and pretty social distanced as well when you're out on the snow and out on the slopes. Um, but what about when you're in your buildings? And I think, you know, the same is probably true for every resort in the country that no matter how big you are, how small you are, we're very small resorts, um, that your facilities are, are vastly undersized on your peak days, um, which is also happens to be the days where we make most of our money. 
Um, so it's very concerning to us as we look at that. So one of the biggest things, you know, looking at our rental operation, we're looking at it two ways. We're looking at our group side of the business, um, which is huge for us. Um, you know, we consider ourselves beginner factories and learn two areas and we have a huge school group business um, that comes through multiple of our resorts. Um, and then the, the walk-in customer side. So, you know, to break that down, when we look at the, the group size, that's the part that concerns us the most. Um, it's a huge part, like I said, of what we do. Um, you know, we put generally at, at two of our resorts, we put, you know, roughly probably 300 people an hour through our rental operation and it's very small. Um, they're not large space. People are packed in there tight. Um, there's not a lot of room for them. We know that if things stay the way they are or, or get back to similar to what we've just been through, um, that's not going to be a possibility anymore. So we're looking at, you know, what is that number and, and how many people can we get through? We're looking at staggering our start times for all the groups that come and having to get a lot more specific, whereas they used to just all show up when they could get there sometime. We do night skiing. Um, and a lot of them come at night, so they get there sometime between four and six o'clock. Now we're gonna have to have a defined start time for them and, and that a little more. Um, if they're even allowed to come, because we don't know if they will be. Um, so that's one, you know, simple thing to do. Um, but it's really concerning as well, you know, what does the process look like? And, and I know some of the other panelists are gonna talk about um, just the boot fitting process and, and you know, trying on is, is a huge problem with lots of touch points. What is the disinfecting gonna look like for us? And I know um, Ryan has some really interesting solutions for that, but um, you know, what are all of those things that we're going to have to do that will slow the process down and then in turn, how can we speed the process up and get more people through? Um, you know, we're, we're looking at a lot of different things that other resorts have done um, and are already doing, but now it's gonna speed us along to that process. And we're gonna look at trying to preset skis a lot more and get people through the process. Um, on the walk-in side, on the walk-in customer side, um, I see a lot more opportunity in this space for us. Um, you know, we're looking at things now that we're always on our wish list that we're now fast-tracking to do a lot faster. Um, one of the biggest being RFID. We're looking at adding RFID across all three of our hills um, to make it touchless for just the regular ticketing process. But also now we're working with our point-of-sale developer, um, who's really, really great and customizable and local um, for us, and he can really do a lot of different things, is we're looking at using that same RFID ticket and possibly loading rental data on that, and having rental information in that RFID ticket, and making it touchless instead of, you know, our process right now is, is a piece of card stock, a rental card that gets passed back and, and our employees multiple times through the rental process. So we're looking at ways to take that out. Um, one of the exciting things about that for us is, it's gonna be a better guest experience. It's gonna speed things up. We're gonna look at presetting skis. Again, like I said, I know in, um, a number of other resorts are already doing this, but we're gonna look at if you buy your rental as a walk-in customer online, we're gonna explore presetting everything and not just having it at a place where you get it. We're even discussing the possibility of car side delivery so that you know they can let us know, um, hey, we're here and we deliver their skis, their RFID lift tickets and everything right to their car window and say, you only need to stop in the lodge to go to the bathroom or if you need to change boot sizes if these boots we gave you didn't fit. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities to that. Um, still at this point, I think we have a lot more questions than answers. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about it all the time. It definitely, you know, keeps me up at night. But like I said, I think the silver lining for us is um, we're going to look at all kinds of different ways to make our rental more efficient. And in the end, that's going to give a better guest experience. So 
I think there's some positive that's going to come from it. I think there's also a ton for us to learn, um, you know, from our counterparts and some who may be on the call in uh, the Southern Hemisphere, you know, the, the Austrian glaciers that are opening up and, and other people. I think there's a lot of things we're going to learn as well as from other industries um, that have similar challenges, you know, whether it be the water park industry or, you know, the Disney's of the world. And there's all kinds of other people that we have a lot of time to be able to learn and adapt. Um, but for us, you know, kind of what Rick said in the start here is we're trying to plan for the worst and um, get as much done as we can. And then, you know, hopefully things will be a little more normal and we're going to hope for the best. So that's kind of where we're at. Thanks for that. Um, Chris, Pat's Peak has a really large rental operation. And by that, I mean, you do a large volume of, of your revenue there. And it's also a really big shop for rental shops. Can you describe sort of the size and volume and how that plays into the resort overall, what situation you're planning for, the steps you're considering, and then, as with Rick, the questions you still have that are unanswered. Yeah, so <laughs> we have a whole lot of unanswered questions too, and we're kind of pursuing tracks A, B, C, D, and E. And track A is business as usual, and then we think it's gonna be somewhere, some variation of probably between C and D as to what we'll be allowed to run. We got a great team up here at our mountain, and uh, as long as we get permission from the government authorities to run, we're pretty confident that we'll be able to to pull something off. You know, being a beginner learn to ski area just north of Boston, we do get our fair share of beginner skiers. A uh, number of years ago, we enlarged our rental shop. We used to be 2,400 square feet. We're just under 10,000 square feet now, 9,600. Uh, some of the issues that plagued the old shop were some of the issues that are prevalent today as you as you think about how you want your shop going forward they include space ventilation throughput as well as the customer experience you know when we had the old shop uh, before we tore it apart we asked all of our directors to go work in the uh, work in the old shop and they had to kind of prepare a white paper of what worked and what didn't nothing more than one page and uh, you know we were quickly we were quickly figuring out that uh, you know the number one thing that people were asking when they walked through the door was where's the bathroom, so we uh, we added bathrooms down there we added automatic doors because you were you were loading up people with equipment and we were, the old shop they were pushing through a door that they had to do so we added automatic doors we added massive dehumidifiers down there so our you know it, it's, it's dry as a popcorn fart sometimes down there on a busy. A Saturday morning before things get going because we're just trying to extract as much moisture out of there. We've got air blowers on every boot now and we've got a carpet lift that takes you from when you exit the shop you go up to the ski slopes. So we really we did a lot of effort and of course we stole a lot of ideas from other areas. Um, but we really did a pretty good job of, uh, of designing a shop that we think that will serve us well. As part of the overall process you know we looked at everything from pre-arrival to exiting onto the ski slopes and we at the preliminary level the high elevation if you will we're just basically assigning a green yellow and a red and uh, green is like parking and actual skiing meaning that there's really no issues with it your red zones are obviously like everybody knows your bathrooms and your ski patrol issues and then the yellow was uh, food service rental shop retail shop and stuff like that uh, so we really have taken a, a focused approach on how do we mitigate every one of those things. And we're going to try and turn that from a yellow to a green, or at least as, as safely as we can operate it. Um, 
the size of the shop is lending itself. It's pretty good. It's, you know, we've got 1600 pairs of skis, 600 snowboards, 200 twin tips, 20 snow bikes, and 20 sets of shoes. Approximately 50% of our uh, visitors use our rental shop in one capacity or another. It's not uncommon for us to push 1500 pairs of skis or pieces of equipment through the day. And on a, on a revenue basis, it's an important part of our, our operation, representing about 15% of dollars through the front door. So it's something that we take very seriously. You know, to Rick's point about what we're trying to do is we streamline the process. I think everybody is trying to make it as touchless as possible. Our team is assembled and uh, we just wrote down notes as to what, how we want to try and do things for next year. And it starts with like the pre-arrival of trying to get them to fill out as much information as possible. We have a fairly robust online process. Uh, it's not uncommon for us to have 150 to 200 pairs of those skis set aside prior to arrival for the guest. Uh, you know, on a little tangent there for a minute, you know, we're certainly not Amazon one click on our rental online and we're always trying to do it, but we didn't really feel like partnering with uh, and no disrespect intended to anybody out in the audience, but we didn't really feel like partnering with uh, some of these groups that were going to extract part of the fee from your rental thing. So our, our site is a little clunky, but uh, it gets the job done and people generally figure it out. Um, you know, so from pre-arrival with, with web capabilities to try and make it a touchless and seamless and payless experience. We're, we're, we're looking at automatic doors for our front door arrival. You know, we were on the phone last week with an automatic company. We we're using a budgetary price of about $5,000 per door opening. By the way, they say the lead times are incredibly long right now. So 10 to 12 weeks, just kind of put that in the back of your, uh, back of your thought process there. Um, what else can I say? You know, some of the workstations that we're trying to do, the way our rental shop is, we've got four lanes that can go out. It, you've got two outer lanes and then you've got a double lane in the middle. And we have large storage capability on both the left hand and the right hand side of our, our shop, uh, of our rental shop. So what we're thinking about doing is, and again, this is operating under a finite capacity edict from the government in terms of saying that you can only run at 25 or 50%. Uh, it takes us on average about 10 to 15 minutes to pump somebody through the rental shop. So from the rental shop capacity standpoint, we don't, we're not too worried about what we can put on the hill for skiers. I think what's going to drive that is lodge space as to what you can accommodate, because if they're only spending 10 to 15 minutes in our rental shop, but they're spending 45 minutes to an hour in our base lodge, we're going to have a lot more concerns with our base lodge capacity. So there's, that's kind of the, what we're doing. And we're going to rotate each side of the lot, each side of our rental shop. And, uh, you know, the virus has an ability to sustain itself on plastic surfaces for 72 hours. So we were going to basically disinfect the entire rental shop. We're working with our partners on that, uh, you know, Ecolab, Lysol, Sterafine and stuff like that. So we've got a number of things where Every day I see a different type of backpack out here being demoed by lodge maintenance and uh, I get the, I get the, um, uh, the full money on, on the deconstruct of how they think about that. Um, other than that, I think, uh, you know, anticipated volume levels, I don't think in the Northeast here because we're, we're a hotbed. Uh, we still got a lot of cases in Massachusetts and New Hampshire is, I wouldn't say it's declining. I'd say it's kind of bouncing along more than anything. 
but I, I can't envision a scenario where we're operating at 100%. I think we're going to be sort of handcuffed at the 25 to 50% uh, mark in terms of what the ability is of our lodge. And I think that could also, that, that also might be weather dependent too, because if you get a 40 degree day and everybody floods outside, what that looks like, I don't really know. But um, that's kind of what's going on over here. Okay, Chuck, you have designed a really high volume rental shop at Brian Head. Can you describe some of the key features of that shop and the options you're considering to maintain as much volume as you can? Well, and what we've done is, I mean, you know, we go down and done measurements. It looks like our operation on the boot ramp, what we're going to do is end up plexiglassing so you don't have uh, the rain down from our customers because our employees are lower and uh, the customers have a tendency to live, lean over the rail and speak to our uh, employees as they're getting booted. So I don't want the rain down uh, coming down on them. So we're going to plexiglass that, plexiglass uh, all our contact areas such as our uh, ski techs will be behind a protected deal. The skis will be handed off to the side and same with our snowboards. Uh, our biggest concern is right now is kids camp. Um, uh, I'll run a department through kids camp and we process about 300 kids on a busy day. Well, we're going to plexiglass that, uh, start with appointments, open up 45 minutes earlier is what we're looking at and uh, having people come in at designated times. And it's going to change our dynamics of our lessons because they all go out at 10 and we can usually process about 95% of our uh, kids by 10 a.m. from 8.45 when we open. So we're going to start opening probably around 8 o'clock, start processing, get them out on the snow, which we have uh, the conveyor belts. They can go out and go ahead and get their lessons started. So it's going to change our dynamics quite a bit. We're also looking at a tent. To where we'll be setting up uh, uh, pre-reservations uh, with tickets already in our envelope. They just drive up basically just like a drive-through McDonald's, pick up their stuff and disperse out onto the mountain uh, via the parking lot. They'll have to come in. We're also thinking more on the lines of uh, outdoor bathrooms uh, where they're not coming in the building as much. The bathrooms will be sanitized quite often. Our whole goal is to uh, we can keep within 50% of what we do on an uh, hourly basis, and we'll have a win-win situation. I do think it's probably going to be more moderate, around 30%. So we process about 700 people per hour through all our rental shops and uh, kids camp, but um, I don't really think I can achieve that. With the social distancing, the timing, we're going to uh, post people at the front and do a total count of how many people were allowed in the building at any given time just so we don't end up being shut down by Utah like we were back earlier when we tried to stay open. We were already uh, doing this in our cafeterias. We were slowing down our rental lines. We were distancing people at the uh, ticket counters and everything. But we're really going to push more for online reservations and see if we can really make this work. All right. <clears throat> well, thanks. Um, Matt, Squaw Alpine has a large rental operation as well. How have you maximized the space that you have currently and what will be needed to adapt for the coming season? Sure, thank you, Rick. Um, our operations consist of seven rental locations between the two resorts. Um, three of them are high volume base area locations capable of about 425 guests per hour and throughput. Um, 
we do have one large unique location, um, our adult ski school rental location, which is tailored to ages 13 and above, who are taking a lesson. Um, this location is joint operation with our snow sports colleagues, and uh, it's structured and configured for the beginner guest who typically needs a little bit more hands-on attention, and obviously that's going to that's going to change and something that, you know, needs some attention um, moving into the fall with uh, social gathering circumstances. And, you know, I also just reading some of the comments that I do, I do think uh, it's good for us to stay in touch and liaise with our snow sports colleagues, because, you know, if group lessons in the future, um, you know, if group size is reduced or, you know, we move to a, a private lesson model in snow sports, it really has a huge impact on our rental operations as well. So, you know, reimagining rental during this shock is, is challenging and exciting. I think one of the biggest strategies that we are solving for is the online and pre-book opportunity. Um, Squaw Valley Alpine Meadows operates in a dominant drive-to market from Northern California. You know, and while I hate to think of COVID as presenting an opportunity, I do feel now is the time more than ever to flip rental to a dominant online pre-book business model. Um, you know, a lot of people book or walk in with the weather and, and how do we kind of get them more into that advanced purchase and, and also the planning. So we hope to move online reservations from, you know, 20% currently to hopefully up to 70 to 80%, you know, and we're also considering appointment based operations as well. Some, some other colleagues have talked about that similar to the golf industry tea time model. Um, you know, we know that social distancing presents the capacity restrictions, um, so we're also considering extending our hours of operations for volume disbursement. Um, we think that'll be important um, in fulfilling pre-books at night, have ready for pickup the next morning and have more of a, a straight to boot pickup process where they, you know, consumers can avoid the registration and all cash congestion. A lot of congestion in queue happens at the beginning of the shop. Um, you know, time between appointments will allow for ventilation, also the isolation of equipment, equipment rotation for the guests, which I think is important. Um, you know, one of the things that we have talked about a lot is, you know, and while there's a lot of questions out there, you know, right now, um, you know, we, we tend to be kind of planning to run a defense model. And these are our control measures for COVID prevention, but I also feel like we, we have an opportunity here to run an offense as well. And, and this can start with marketing. Um, you know, our offense is the pre-arrival communication and to pre-book customers and also sharing educational videos and messaging. You know, I help, I think that will help set the consumer expectation when they arrive and also, you know, ask for some behavioral changes. You know, I think, I think a lot of us are still getting used to the, the, the changes with social distancing and I think that will also transfer to, you know, how they act at the resort. Um, you know, so taking advantage of explaining the new rental process, how our guests are protected, even in our rental environment. You know, we don't want consumers to think of their rental experience of the past is going to be the same in the future. You know, they need to know that we're evolving, you know, with the situation. So communication is paramount. We're also internally talking about a, a text alert system. We do use a text alert system in our snow sports department right now. And we've talked about our tune shop, um, you know, in terms of a drop off pickup scenario, staying in touch with that consumer and moving to a text alert to when 
so the consumer knows when their, their product is ready and they can pick it up with an expedited pickup platform. Um, I think that's important. I also think the text alert might be able to be transferred into other things. You know, I'm, I'm also involved in retail and having a text alert with a boot fitter um, for a boot purchase would be, would be really important, I think, moving into even the retail model. So, you know, some of the easy, um, some of the easy alterations that require low-tech solutions, you know, is our first response time and screening at rental registration. Um, for our walk-ins, you know, do, do our greeters now enter uh, consumer information in our rental registration platforms? Um, you know, can greeter positions also intercept and limit non-essential rental, rentals, meaning, you know, those renters that typically are accompanied by friends and family members, but not renting themselves, you know, it'll be important for us to, to intercept or screen those individuals so that we can keep the congestion low and we can fo focus on the, the consumer and getting kind of increasing the cycle time or the value added time for that guest. Um, we're also working in contactless payments as well. Um, boot fitting experience is a high touch point and space productivity and is critically important in that area. So working with some of our suppliers on fitting tools and making sure we're utilizing them for every guest and, you know, they're accurate and we get the right fit on the first attempt and we avoid that rework. Um, that's going to be critically important because, you know, if, if we do have a boot try on scenario, do we need to, if that boot wasn't selected, do we need to isolate that boot? Um, those are one of the things that aren't, you know, isn't exactly known yet. So the first attempt fit is super critical. Um, we're also looking even internal mitigation is just in our employee scheduling. So we're exploring the idea of group or squad employee scheduling. So that group of employees works the same days and the same shifts. So they're comfortable with each other. They know how everybody's um, taking action against all of our mitigation, how to help the guests. It also just, you know, limits that kind of rotating door of personnel. So typically an environment with, with rental, your head count is pretty high. So can we, can we group or squad people together so that they can even work more efficiently um, in the future? So those are, those are a lot of the things that we're considering. Um, you know, obviously our adult lesson sender um, is something that we're thinking about in, in, in the future and how can we reconfigure that location to be a facility for groups, friends or families or just people with known associations so they can go through the process with a little bit more comfort. How can we fence or isolate them within the shop so it's, we can still have a, a, a good boot fitting experience with, with known associations. So those, those are all things that we're trying to solve for right now. That sounds great, Matt. It sounds like you have a lot on your plate. Um, Eric, um, you get to be the pivot from operators to suppliers here since you have a foot in both worlds. What aspects of big snow might translate to other operators? And what perspective does snow operating bring to the whole challenge here? Sure. Thanks, Rick. So like all the other operators, we're, we're modeling a few different scenarios. Um, at Big Snow, being a completely indoor space inside a mall, it certainly has its challenges, but the business model that we operate with provides a pretty unique advantage also. So because we're an indoor space, capacity is limited, period. 
And we, you know, we can't put more than 500 people in the, in, in the cold space at a time, max 500 people on the slopes. So that really informs the upstream processes, um, you know, leading up to that. So uh, our, our snow cloud software system allows us to sell two hour time blocks for access to the cold space. So we sell those in 15 minute increments. So the system is built up, is, excuse me, is built for, for flow to allow guests to enter the cold space and other guests to leave the cold space. And, um, and that 500 number that may change. We may, we may be down to 300 or 250, depending on, on how we, how we're able to handle things in the, in the warm spaces and the upstream processes leading to, leading to the, the on snow experience. Um, but overall we're pretty happy with the baseline process. And, um, so we'll be, we'll be making some COVID modifications like everybody's talking about. Right. So, for instance, here's one of the challenges that we deal with there is that guests inevitably show up early for their time slot. And so we have crowding occurring in the retail space uh, right at the entrance to the facility. So it kind of the retail space sort of functions doubles as a waiting room per se. So we have some crowding in there we have to deal with. And we'll, we'll just need to, to communicate to the guests pre-arrival to not show up too soon or we're backing people up into the mall and, and that's got challenges too. So um, so that's one of the areas that we, we have to deal with. We don't have, we can't just keep people outside because there is no outside, right? Um, when we scan the guest media, um, ordinarily they would queue up outside of a, um, outside of the, the rental area. So, so the first step in our rental process is we take the guests 20 at a time into a video room disguised as a gondola. And in that video room, we, we show them a video. It's about a three minute long video a little bit about big snow, that it's, it's actually real snow, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's a, a real scary indoors and what their experience is gonna be like for the rest of the day. And that certainly creates some, some, that's a constraint for sure. So we take 20 people, but now we either have to find a way to make that video a whole lot shorter or, or and have people only come in with their party or we just suspend that step of the process. So when people would, come through the retail shop when it's their turn, we would scan their media and they would just walk straight through into what would be the next step in the process is, is uh, clothing. So we call our rental shop outfitting because we provide out, outdoor clothing, jackets and pants. And we still like to be able to do that. We feel like we need to find a way to make that happen. Uh, and we're, we're considering experimenting with some, uh, some steam sanitation in order to clean the clothing after each use. Uh, I'm interested in, in uh, hearing what Ryan has to say about some of the, the disinfecting uh, and, and John, John and at head. So, well, how we can do to, to disinfect helmets and so forth. We're working with our suppliers and, and those, you know, some chemical disinfectant opportunities also. Um, the next step of our process is, is something that we all share and that it's a, it's a, a overcoming this is certainly a challenge and that's the, the boot fitting process. So, we have a boot bridge, like Chuck mentioned, where guests walk on this elevated platform and our boot techs are at their you know, foot level to personally customize each, personally boot fit every guest. Um, this is gonna be tricky. We don't know if we're, if we're gonna be able to do the plexiglass or if this step just, just goes away and we have to find another way to help the guests fit their own boots or get, choose the right size. Um, we, we participated with PSIA and Ozzy last year on producing these beginner ski and snowboard videos. And one of those videos shows 
um, the guests how to, how to fit their own boots, how to know if they got the right size boot. So that's available. We may use that. And I spoke to Nick Heron from PSIA and Ozzy last week, and, and he wanted me to remind everybody that that's, that's out there, open to all resorts. You can use it and cut and make it your own. Um, but it's on YouTube and it's accessible to everyone. So that's certainly an option to inform the guests, educate them on how to fit their own boots. And then we have the, the locker changing area to keep people spaced out. So we'll just have to we'll put in, you know, signs on the floor and just trying to manage that, that the guests that are doing their own boot fitting that are lockering up, um, that we try to maintain social distancing norms through there. When the guest is ready, and, and this is one of the things I really like about our process is when the guest is ready, they walk out on snow, so automatic doors, and they pick up their skis or snowboards outside. So the outdoor ski delivery is outstanding. And, and uh, the Les Somme group uses it in Quebec up in uh, who were the conversion cup winners last year. And if you're able to do this and store skis and snowboards outside and do outdoor delivery, I think you really, really open up your space inside. And in an era of social distancing, I think it, as much more space as we can have inside is really gonna help us. So it works beautifully. We use the head BYS system, so it's really simple. People walk outside when they're ready to pick up their skis and they go. And you know, we're, we're hoping to be, obviously we're hoping to be open the, you know, before the North American winter, so summer or fall. And, and we'll have learnings and we'll figure things out as we go and we'll be sure to, to share our, our, uh, our beta, what we learned from going through this. I'll say that we, we're making modifications to our process, Rick, and this sort of goes into your next, your next point about just process, you know, understanding processes. We, we like, and we just recently designed this process, so we're making, you know, we're COVID-proofing it. But if you're a resort who hasn't updated your process in a long time, if it's, if it's pretty antiquated, and if it's very transactional, as opposed to being very experiential, I think now is a great opportunity to, to overhaul it. Uh, it is a brave new world out there, so, so to try new things. And, and rather than sticking a COVID Band-Aid on a process that you know is broken to begin with, take this opportunity to change it. And, and I can say with, I'll give two pieces of advice. The, the best project, excuse me, the best process improvement projects start with putting together, first of all, a cross-functional team. So obviously your rental shop staff is a critical part of that but also employees in any upstream processes. So ticketing, guest service, maybe even arrival. So Chris Blumbach from Pat Speak mentioned earlier about looking at even from pre-arrival, everybody who's gonna to touch the guests from the moment they arrive at the, at the resort on down um, should be part of this team. And then, and then a downstream process like Snow Sports School and, and get them together virtually maybe. And then rather than saying, okay, here's where we currently are, how do we make it better? start with your ideal. And when we work with resorts around the U S we, we work, we start with an ideal world scenario. What would be, what would it look like if it were perfect? And then, and then we can build in the operational constraints. Well, we can't move buildings this year. Well, we can't do this, but we can do X. So rather than starting at your baseline now and saying, how do we make it better? Say, what would it be in a perfect world? How close can we get to that? Um, and, and I, I think, you know, as I said, there, as we've said on these calls over the last few weeks, never waste a good crisis. And, and here's certainly an opportunity to, 
to change your process in a way that you could live with it two years from now, um, rather than taking something that's already perhaps broken and trying to patch it. Cool. Thank and Rick, I'm going to jump in here and Eric, that was a, a, a great, um, bit of advice and something we've been hearing a common thread is in that quote of don't waste a, a good crisis, you know, and, and use it as a time to, to, to do the changes that you should have done, um, that needed those changes. So, um, and you kind of segue to, um, looking at the process and, um, we're going to share, um, a video from Shanghai Disney. Some of you may have seen it, but, um, it's worth sharing quickly before we transition to our next segment. We're not only learning from each other, we also want to look to other industries. If you want to check out the video of Disney Shanghai, head to www.saminfo.com huddle to check it out. Ryan, as a supplier of rental software, sanitizing and disinfecting supplies, and a high-tech 3D scanning boot fitting system, can you help ease some of the uh, concerns and issues that their operators are facing? Um, yeah, I'll do my best. Thanks, Rick. Um, so this for us started with uh, our distributor in Australia requesting some guidelines for best practices uh, for custom fitting ski boots uh, with our boot dock line making insoles. And so we put some original guidelines, just an outline together for them to, to get started um, as they're starting to open some of the retail stores there. From there, we, in Austria, we created a task force um, that's working with each of our worldwide subsidiaries to try to develop best practice guidelines for rental as well as uh, custom boot fitting. And um, <clears throat> a number of things that we will have uh, these guidelines probably produced in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the big question was, how do we do it worldwide? Every country is gonna have a different regulation or recommendations as well as within the US alone every county is gonna have a different regulation here in Park City right now the regulations or the requirements that Summit County is requesting retail and restaurants do it's completely different than Wasatch County which is basically shares the same population base so it's trying to find the right um, best practices that will work within each county uh, for their recommendations so we are going to have basically a, a multiple uh, level version. Um, many of you are familiar with Easy Rent, uh, under Seconds Rental Software. And then over the last couple of years, we introduced uh, the Future of Rental um, as a new platform for trying to do on snow rentals, be more efficient. So part of the guidelines is going to talk about uh, the shops and resorts that are using easy rent um, with future rental it automatically kind of blended itself to no contact or limited contact rental services so part of the program is using that to use we have easy gate that actually is a board uh, tv that tells people where they need to be at what times so now we can start distancing people that way um, the other part of the guidelines that we're going to talk about is just how to set up the rental shop, what tools need to be, and the sanit and sanitizing all the rental product itself. We obviously run into a few places where we have issues um, with boots to start with. Uh, having a customer come in, try on a boot, doesn't fit the way they expect it. That boot needs to be 
go back on the shelf so somebody can safely try it on again later. Um, it's really critical that we're using the right equipment to sanitize it. Um, most of us are familiar with disinfectants, which are designed really to kill germs. We need something that's disinfectant and a sanitizer to kill the virus as well. Um, so it's really important that we find the right product that's been EPA approved. We, we offer a product called um, Vital Oxide that's EPA approved uh, for general use against uh, SARS-CoV-2 um, and the COVID-19 virus. So the key with, with that is the, we know that the COVID virus right now maintains on any surface from anywhere from two hours to five days, depending on the material the surfaces are made of. For fabrics, we really don't have a lot of information on it. They're saying more in the two hour range. Um, so liners, things like that. Well, with vital oxide or some of these um, sanitizers, once you've sprayed the boot inside and out and spraying the boot, you need a, a sprayer that gets up into the toe box of the boot, sprays the whole boot, both inside and out. It needs to sit on that for approximately 10 minutes um, and is proven to kill any of the virus and disinfect that boot. Another problem we have at that point is we do have uh, a wet boot at that point if we wanna try it to have somebody else try it on right away. So our guidelines are recommending to use a disinfectant cleaner sanitizer, then go to a boot dryer uh, within an hour and a half, two hours to be able to dry the boots uh, completely as well as kill any extra bacteria odor. And with a sanitizer we shouldn't have and should safely be put on to anybody's feet. Right now in Summit County, Summit County Health Department's recommending in the stage that we're in, any retail shop, if somebody tries on a garment, a boot, a hat, that that piece uh, that item is actually segregated in the back not on the retail floor for 24 hours before we can put it back on the floor and have somebody else try it on but we really can't offer that with rental boots going in and out or even trying some inventories of ski boots are just not enough to have so many um so many volume of the right same size same boot for people to try on so we're putting together these programs um as guidelines to just recommend how to handle the, the rental boots, how to handle skis and, and boots upon return, um, using a sanitizer. And I think like Chris had mentioned, they're demoing a ton of backpacks for spraying down the lodge. Having a backpack or a handheld um, microelectric sprayer will allow you to spray the product as long as it sits on the ski or boot. Um, with the product that we work with, we know that 10 minutes, it needs 10 minutes that should be sanitized enough so somebody can handle it safely and not have to worry about spreading any virus. Um, some of the key issues that we're trying to do is we've, we've had a product group for a long time called Dry Tech, which disinfects and dries work clothes. So we're trying to utilize some of that technology in order to be able to add a sanitizer or ozone or UV to be able to have rental clothing or helmets go into that overnight to be completely sanitized so they're safe to reuse again. Um, so we'll see some more development and in, in that coming in the future. The other piece is trying to do as much of limited or contact or no contact fitting uh, when it comes to the rental boots. As Rick mentioned, we do, we do offer a 3D scanner. There's a number of them out there. 
a lot of a few of them don't require any kind of special equipment for the customer and allow you to do a full foot analysis without having to uh, touch the customer. They, you know, you can scan their feet, hand them the boots, they can put them on themselves, um, and it really could process the boots a little quicker by doing a full no-touch analysis um, within seconds. So choosing the right right boot. I know John Rucker has some ideas that work pretty well too. And after he maybe maybe he'll make the comment later. But we're working on some other things that might actually speed that up or be able to give you a foot analysis on an online reservation platform as well. I think those are the key issues that I had. We have we've worked currently on producing a flyer for Burton that they're going to hand out to all their rental and demo departments. Um, so some of you might receive this soon and it's just uh, the correct handling when taking back rental boots and helmets. And it really does recommend that, you know, inspecting the helmet and the ski boot for, you know, is it damp, moist? Um, they, that shows signs of bacteria spraying it with the right, uh, disinfectant sanitizer and that's key and uh, then recommending drying um, dry, drying them for up to an hour and a half two hours so that we know that it's safe to put back on the floor or hand out to the next person coming around yeah um, John since you've been referenced now rental has obviously been a, a big focus for head for at least a decade now what ideas have popped up uh, between you and your team as you look to help resorts and operators adapt to this new reality? Um, Rick, thanks for hosting this first off. Uh, secondly, um, it's actually um, fairly straightforward. Um, speed of process, three words. Um, now we have to back up from those three words because um, speed of process is uh, applied in very many ways through the rental process and, and becomes more important than ever. So let's look at why that's important first off. So um, at each resort, there are a number of pinch points. Um, and that could be ticketing, that could be food and beverage, that could be the rental shop, um, bathrooms, any number of places, pinch points that we all are aware of and that we're all trying to deal with. And with those pinch points, what we need to do is speed people through them. So there's two ways to look at, at speeding people through pinch points. One is on the backside of that. And that's sort of where a company like ours comes in is speed of process of setting up a rental setup, for example. But also there's things that can be done on the front side. And it's been discussed through this uh, webinar with um, setting up things in advance. So pre-arrival is really, really important and becomes more important than ever. So it's whatever software you might use. It's um, helping very much your guests select the proper equipment, the proper size equipment as well. So um, one of the things that certainly, you know, as a supplier, we can do on the pre-arrival aspect of, of widening a pinch point is making it easier for people to choose um, the proper gear before they get there, right? So that, that's on us. That's fairly easy. We can provide videos. We can provide marketing data, that type of stuff. So no problem, easy select the ski up front. But um, one thing that was discussed a minute ago by Ryan is correctly um, sizing boots. And Eric discussed it with the boot bridge. Um, 
it's this is one of the areas that can be most problematic through a rental process. So um, where the 3D scanner that Ryan has is um, absolutely incredible. I'm a fan, um, totally supportive of it. Um, reality too is though that not everywhere can use that. And yes, there are apps on that you can download from um, App Store right now that cost like a buck, by the way, and you can do 3D scans of your foot and it's pretty darn cool actually. So that's one thing you could perhaps implement those into the process. But um, you know, I, I, I went real high tech here. So I, uh, I got an eight and a half by 14 piece of paper. At this point, John holds up a piece of paper with an outline of his foot roughly drawn on it. And I trace my foot today. And so the best way to do this is you put a piece of paper against the wall, you put your foot against the wall, and you trace it. And then you measure it in centimeters. And in this case, 26.5 centimeters, which happens to be exactly my ski boot size. So as something to simplify the, the pre-arrival process with your guests, it's as simple as tracing your foot and measuring the darn thing in centimeters. Now, the tendency, of course, is to make it a little bit too big. And, but it is funny, I, I, I did it twice and I cut one out and lined it up with our boot sizer and lo and behold, exactly 26.5. So it really does work. So speeding people through pinch points is really, really crucial. Um, and then on the backside of those pinch points, um, before I get to the backside, there's other things that can be done without necessarily changing architecture in the building. And that is, um, believe it or not, and this is very counterintuitive, but it's splitting pinch points into multiple pinch points. So um, instead of having one single entryway through which everybody goes, one could theoretically divide that entryway into a number of them. So you have uh, families in one, groups in one, or individuals in another, perhaps and you um, set those lines up. And, and I thought that what they did at uh, Disney and, um, in Shanghai was great. You put the markings uh, on the ground or you drip some dye in the snow, whatever you got. And that, that'll certainly spread people through that. Um, someone mentioned tea time setups earlier as well. I'm a fan of this uh, idea conceptually. Might be hard to pull off, but good concept. What can we do on the backside of this pinch point? For us, it's um, literally helping you guys come up with how to best preset your rental fleets. Some of that has to do with den setting, some of that has to do with the average boot size you have, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there are a number of resorts across the country that have um, taken numbers um, and, and threw uh, rental shops that are not very big. And you would be absolutely shocked at the number of skis and snowboards that can get through some of these spaces. Uh, Carolyn Stimson at, at Wachusett um, is on this call, I believe. And, and um, they have a truly a very, very impressive, uh, very rapid uh, setup. And, and Carolyn maybe is willing to, to discuss with folks. Sorry to put you on the spot. But um, it really uh, works incredibly well. So um, speed of process on the backside is, is crucial. Um, and you have to have the, the right equipment to be able to do that. Um, so there's been a number of points that have been um, discussed today that I don't want to uh, go over a second time by folks um, because they've been really well articulated. So with that, um, and considering there's five minutes to go, it's probably best for me to cede my time back to the kind Mr. Call. Thank you very much, John. Oh, Carolyn, you, you know, you have the, the capacity issues that, you know, Chris and Rick have, um, you have speed, 
but um, how do you match that with also spacing everybody out with your, you know, lightning fast processing you've so uh, on March 15th, we decided we weren't going to let anyone in the shop. So we had everyone go online and order their rentals and handed them out the window. So we just put benches along outside the window, outside the shop. We would, um, we would get their information online, print out their label, grab their boots, hand them their boots out the window. They put them on outside and we had their skis on the deck waiting with their label on their skis. So we never, never actually touched the person other than handing in their boots out the window. So they never came into the shop. Correct. And, and how did you handle They really had to pee and they begged. <laughs> what about coming back with a, a boot that doesn't fit? Uh, we just hand them back out the window. So, so those would just be set aside. This was, you know, early on. And, and so we were just winging it on, in terms of, you know, disinfecting and things like that. But, uh, but it was all window service, window and deck service. It, worked, it actually worked amazingly well. How many do you think you processed? Over a thousand. And, and anything you would change heading into next season? We're trying to figure out how we can do a drive-through window on the front end. So, uh, you know, on the parking lot side, you know, just somebody, because, it, it, you know, this was March and it wasn't that cold. But if it's going to be freezing cold out, how do we let people put the boots on in their car? That kind of thing. So, um, you know, thank you about online order, drive through window, run the boots out to the car and let them put them on out there. Okay. Carolyn, what did this do to your staffing? We had three people. I was one of them. <laughs> you did a lot of running. Yeah, we were running our asses off. It was wild. Is anybody considering doing a, setting up like a sprung structure, a separate building to try and do, you know, a drive through or, or to take the pressure off a small rental operation? I've been speaking with our friends at Sprung also. Okay. That's I said I want a negative air Sprung structure, please. <laughs> Another Olivia. question that has come up is how healthy it is to have all this disinfectant being sprayed around everywhere and being in the air. Um, that's a great question. And, and I know my colleague, John Todd's on with us and might have a little insight on that. Sorry, John, if I'm putting you on the spot. Um, one of the things that we're doing with vital oxide is that it is designed to be, to not have so many harsh chemicals in it. Um, it is a non aerosol. So you are putting it in a container and either spraying it out or um, with a hand spray or using a pressurized container to force it out. So we're not dealing with any aerosols at that point. Um, Vital oxide, it's also set up so that it can be as environmentally friendly as it can be. Um, of course, you know, you don't want to breathe in anything that you don't have to, but this isn't like huffing Lysol um, with, the, with the vital oxide. So we're trying to get something as environmentally friendly as we can here. Anything with the UV light? There's been a question about that. So, no. In the past, a number of most of our boot dryers had an option for UV lamp, and and UV light works to kill viruses, um, but it the light has to touch that area. So the way the boot dryers work with UV lamps is the UV lamp is at the the air intake. So where we suck the air into the machine to distribute it out to the boots, it passes the light where it disinfects the air going in 
but the air doesn't necessarily disinfect the Buddha itself. So what we're trying to do there is not introduce new bacteria or virus into the boot while we're drying it. So it is good to have dryers with UV lamps, um, but you really need something, be it, you know, from Ecolab, uh, from uh, Vital Oxide or another company that truly sanitizes and, and is proven and um, has uh, through the EPA that it, it does kill um, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, which is the COVID-19 as well. So for that particular virus, but most of these you'll see has a list of including it kills H1N1, um, MRSA, norovirus. So if we, we look into the future, one of the things I've been learning about all this is we look in the future beyond. When we have a vaccine and we're not as concerned about social distancing years from now, um, these are still good practices because there's norovirus and these are the same types of tools we need to kill that so we're not spreading germs throughout the rental shops in the future as well. Right. Rick, we are unfortunately out of time. So um, we're going to wrap that up. Any final thing, Rick, that you wanted to say? I didn't have anything. I, the, the only, um, my question really was to go back to Rick Schmitz, who was the guy who really initiated this whole discussion and say, are you going to sleep better tonight? <laughs> yeah, I think I will. I think there's a lot of really great ideas. And like I said, you know, one of the, the advantages we have over everyone is, you know, time. Um, over many other industries and I think there's um, already been a ton of really good ideas I've been taking a lot of notes and um, yeah I think I absolutely will I think it's going to be an interesting process in the end of the day like I said I think we're all going to make changes that are going to make our processes better um, even outside of the virus and everything um, I know within our resorts we're making changes that are going to give a better guest experience and so I think I think it's really good Thank you for taking the time to listen to episode nine of our special huddle mini series. There are a ton of ideas out there and solutions for how to change the rental shop experience. Rentals aren't the only pinch point though, and we'll be connecting with other departments on huddles in the coming weeks to discuss more challenges and ideas. Learn more at www.saminfo.com huddle. We hope that these huddles and the other resources developed by Sam Magazine to assist during this crisis have helped you all stay connected, informed, and to navigate these challenging times. If they have, consider supporting us as a vital source of information with a subscription at www.saminfo.com slash subscribe. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Pod Sam Advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix Podcast Guy. I am Sarah Bordeaux, and thank you for listening to Pod Sam. <laughs>